Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Olivia Martinez and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we'll be discussing the 1955 classic, Rebel Without a Cause. This movie is the greatest depiction of teenage angst I've seen in a while because these kids have some issues, am I right? Yes, I mean, I don't know that it was a terribly realistic. Yeah, depiction. very melodramatic. Very melodramatic. And it's from a different era, from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So, again, you kind of have to, you kind of view it in a different way nowadays. But it's certainly, I think, probably the most famous <laughs> ang- teenage angst film. I agree. It doesn't help that it's from 1955 and everybody from the 50s looks about 50 years old. <laughs> doesn't matter if they're 17, 27, 37. These people look old, don't they? look they? older than their parents sometimes. They do. And speaking of, the lead characters are played by James Dean and Natalie Wood and what's his name? Salminio. Salminio. And all three of them look a lot older than they are, but I think they were actually all pretty young when they made this movie. So the casting, the ages were right, but they just they still looked like old farts, honestly. Good-looking people, but eh. And if you're thinking about the plot, it's basically Grease with a little bit more of an edge and no music. It's literally Grease. Like, have we looked up if it's... It, it has, has to, to be. It has to be. They have drag racing. They have the... It's a windbreaker dad. <laughs> so basically there is this... Well, they have some leather jackets. There, there are some Merman. leather jackets. <laughs> Merman dad. No. You, everyone knows the iconic James Dean red jacket in this movie. And if not, look up James Dean and the first picture that pops up, he'll probably be in this red jacket. And my dad, the entire movie, kept saying, I think it's leather. (laughs) From some angles, it looks leather-like. Who cares about the fabric? We think it's a windbreaker, though. We're almost positive it's a windbreaker. By the end, yes, I I agreed. It was a windbreaker. And um, at some point, Salminio gets this windbreaker, and it does not look as good on him. We all agreed on that, for (laughs) sure. Red windbreaker, white t-shirt, blue jeans. Yes, James Dean. He looks so good in that. This plot is jumbled, in my opinion. I did not really... I wasn't getting it as much as y'all, I don't think. Maybe it's because I have a pea-sized teenage brain, but what was the plot exactly? It's his first day of school, and he's been in trouble before, and it sounds like they move every time there's trouble, but the trouble isn't just him. He thinks it's just him. And really, I think that the main topic, really, or the, even, it has a, of course it has a plot. It takes place over one day. One day. The worst day, day ever. Worst first day of school any guy ever had. <laughs> um, but everything centers around these three kids' issues with their parents. And, and daddy, daddy issues, issues, especially. Yeah, it starts in a police station and all three of them are there. Yeah, I think that's kind of a cool introduction to all three characters in one setting. That was a good directing thing. And I think that kind of, that really that first scene also kind of reminds you that in the 1950s they were just starting to look into psychology and mm. what was behind why juvenile delinquents acted the way they did. Because the adult who is interviewing the kids at the beginning when they're brought in after getting in trouble somewhere... He is sympathetic, and yeah, he's and actually trying to view, trying to get at what is bothering them and why they've gotten into trouble, as opposed to just throwing him in jail. And was he a psychologist? Because he definitely wasn't a cop. He didn't act like a cop. I think we realized that he's some sort of juvenile psychologist or something. It's interesting you mentioned that, because the, the title, I never knew where that title came from. I thought it was just from the movie. Apparently, it's based on a book called Rebel Without a Cause, and it was a psychiatrist in the 1940s who put this out there explaining why those crazy kids were acting the way they were Mm -hmm. 
the movie itself is not based on the book, but the title, it's a great title because it's, you know, they're trying to get to the cause of why exactly they're so they're so angsty <laughs> rebelling against society, mm-hmm. their parents, school, whatever it is. And it's interesting that that must have been re- quite a revelation in the 1950s. I think the movie does a good job, though, in showing how messed up these parents are, too, because oof, I can see why these kids are so weird. Oh, I yeah, mean, there's a scene where he wants to do the right thing. For once. I think he literally said in the movie, like, I'm trying to do the right thing for the first time in my life. And the parents are encouraging him to, well, maybe this isn't the time to do that because yeah. you might get in trouble and it might ruin your, your future. And that really reminds me of parents today. That seems pretty modern because these days parents seem to always be defending their kid until the end when really the kid sometimes is troubled and they need to get them help. Really, and the the parents we're talking about and the kid we're talking about is the James Dean character Mm -hmm. um, who is called Jim, right? Who is called um, Jim. And he is actually seeking guidance from his dad. Several times in the movie he just wants his dad to be stronger and to show him what he needs to do and to stand up to his mom. And it's kind of interesting because Mm -hmm. the Natalie Woods character, Judy, is um, she's seeking her father's love. Ew. And there's a kind of a weird scene where she tries to kiss him and he just kind of pushes her away. And, I don't blame and, him. That's weird. <laughs> it is kind of strange. That's, what's, that's what that's I'd say about this movie. movie is it's it's just got kind of got a weird feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the part of it, maybe the acting, some of the acting is kind of melodramatic. That may go back to the directing, who knows, or it may just all be the script. It's just kind of a, it's not, it doesn't, doesn't ring true in a lot of ways. Not at all. I think that one of the weirdest scenes also, besides that weird dad kissing thing, was when James Dean is trying to get advice from his dad, and the dad is in this feminine apron. Take the apron off. And yeah, I think, and you can It is tell, so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean. I think it's a good symbol of how kind of weak the dad is because he's being run over by the grandma and the mother. And I think that's pretty modern because normally the dad is the macho, abusive one, but this dad is definitely not. Yes, but on the other hand, why is his son so offended that that his father isn't the strong male character. One thing I actually do, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of, as a teenager, I relate to is James Dean. He is just so triggered by his dad being weak. And honestly, you guys know, I get very triggered about certain topics when you bring them up. And I don't know, maybe that's a teenager thing, like an immaturity thing, but just because I think you guys are watching that and you're like, why is he so mad about this dad being weak? But I could see something like that really bothering me. And I think if you've grown up with it your whole life, because yeah, there's certain topics that you don't want to bring up around me, right, Mom? <laughs> right, right. And the thing is that I, I think the characters, the young characters, the teenagers, are obviously really messed up. And they're just oh, not yeah. sure, they are not sure where to turn for help and they don't know what to do with their lives. But each of their parents, they also are confused with what they should be doing with their lives. Yeah, they're terrible. And you guys are a lot better than that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. But, I mean, I think that kind of maybe speaks to why parents sometimes have trouble with dealing with their teenagers. Because sometimes we, as parents, haven't figured out the and world yet issue. either. Mm-hmm. And so um, when it comes down to our kids needing help, sometimes we don't have much help to offer. 
Probably in some ways, I think the most messed up parents is the one set of parents you don't see. Off screen. Um, Plato, Salminio's character, his parents. Plato, who, can we talk about that real fast? That yes. name. What? What is that name? I know, it's an unusual No name. wonder he's kind of messed up. Anyway, continue with your Plato. Well, he is a very unusual character. And talk about a modern character. Yeah. I think... He is somebody who, I bet people watching this movie in the 1950s didn't know what to make of him. Mm -hmm. I can see him in an indie movie from now, from now yes. but he was um, fragile and complicated and obviously very damaged. Yes. But he was seeking, I think he was looking at James Dean and Natalie Wood's characters as parent figures. Which is which weird because I think he was thing. like a year younger than them. And he met James Dean that day. So, should we talk about this horrible day that James Dean had in this movie? Because the movie takes place in a day. Basically, he starts school, and it's already off to a rough start. Because that weird car filled with nine kids comes passing by him. And they're, like, making fun of him and stuff. And I'm thinking, who would make fun of James Dean? He is better looking than every single person in that car. He's well, cooler. Well, and also, what... This gang, mm -hmm. the guys in the gang, their names, two of the guys in the gang, <laughs> Buzz and Crunch. <laughs> Scary stuff. At one point, there's a knife fight, and James Dean calls the other one a poop head. Yes, he's really going at it. That's, that's what we're working with in this movie. Yeah, that's the thing on this first day of school. Oh, how was your first day of school, son? Oh, I got into a switchblade fight at the uh, observatory. Yeah. And they were going on a, Who yeah, goes on a, going field, on a trip? field trip on the first day of Planetarium, school. Planetarium. That's oh, and also, no, no, there was no bus for this field trip. James Dean was late to the field trip because he drove himself. Makes no sense. I don't under, No one's ever in the history of mankind been on a field trip on the first day of school. Did you want to mention La La Land? Oh, yeah. So anyone who's seen La La Land, hopefully all of y'all have, there's a scene that they go to the observatory or whatever, and they actually show Rebel Without Cause in the movie itself. So I was like, La La Land, I kept saying it. And this movie, a lot of it takes place in the observatory, actually. And then the knife fight is outside the observatory. And after this knife fight, they decide, okay, we're going to meet up later tonight. And what was it called, Dad? A chick? A chicky run? A chicken run? Chicky run. It was chicky run. I think you said chicky run, yeah. I don't know. They decided that they were going to do that later They were going to steal night. two cars. They were going to steal two cars. <laughs> By that night and do this chicky run thing, which was basically they're gonna drive as fast as they can towards a cliff, and whoever whoever jumps out first is the chicken. Yeah, whoever jumps out of the car first. And by the is way, the just as and a both cars are gonna be destroyed. By Strange the way. Love of Movies little point here: we're not advocating any of this. Oh, Please well, don't do any of this. And yeah, no knife fight or chicky, yes. whatever. You yeah, just no so, chicky. And I just, as a mom, I just worry that they didn't have time to do their homework that first day of school. Well, they were on a field trip, so obviously they had none, right? <laughs> anyway, but it must have been quite the revelation for audiences. I agree, Emily. Before this movie, I don't think teenagers were portrayed in any other way than just younger adults. Yeah. And just very obedient, and they did everything their parents said. Or they were the stereotypical, just terrible kid, but these yeah. kids were more and, complicated. And you know what it goes back to is understanding. Like, mm -hmm. that, that even obedience means there's an understanding of your role in society. You're supposed to be the son or daughter. You're supposed to do this or that. They didn't know what their role was. True. Right? So it's I, definitely very sympathetic toward the teens and, and what they need and 
like I said earlier, the parents aren't giving them what they need. Well, and I would imagine teens would have loved it at the time. Parents would have hated it, oh, <laughs> just terrifying. like today, right? They're yeah. probably thinking, is this what my teenager's doing? No, no teenager was doing this, but it's terrible. So, oh, wait, we need to go back really fast. So that Chicky Run or Chicky Five? Chicky Run, not Chicky Five. I'm getting confused. The Chicky Run, basically, Natalie Wood is dating the guy who is... Buzz. <laughs> Buzz. Crunch's friend. Crunch's friend, Buzz. He looks about 37. He really did. So James Dean is going to be drag racing against Buzz. And Buzz ends up going over the cliff. Dun, dun, dun. He dies. No one calls the police, of course, because why would you do that, right? And what They're, does he say right before, though? Remember? You got to do something? What was it? Oh, yeah, that's right. He says... Um, why are we doing this? Yeah, why are we doing this? kind of dangerous. Yeah. James Dean says that, yeah. And then doesn't Buzz say, well, you've got to do something. And I think that really helps show the movie, like, why are these teenagers doing anything? Well, because got to do something, right? So, Which is so kind of hopeless. Terrible, yeah. So Buzz dies. Of course, no one calls the police because they're stupid teenagers. And Natalie Wood seems really okay with it about five minutes later, doesn't she? When she she's snaps on... back from that boyfriend dying <laughs> she's, really fast. She's resilient. Mm. <laughs> By the time she gets home, she's already like in love with James Dean's character, which I don't blame her. But come on, mourn him a little. Like, show us a tear or two. I mean, girl. Yes, after Buzz dies, Judy and Jim run to this abandoned mansion and Salmonio meets them yes, there. Yeah, Plato meets him there, and they're all kind of just looking through this kind of haunted, almost mansion, and exploring, and seem to be really enjoying themselves, just getting to know each other and being she, on their own. Oh, she says, I love you, Jim. Is that his name? Yes. I love you, Jim. And they hadn't even kissed, hugged, talked. And again, her boyfriend had just died her a few hours before. Literally a few hours before. I was like, girl, is it moving on fast? But I think that was just the absurdity of teenage love. And then after that, there's just a shootout, LAPD, they're the worst. Handle it horribly. And the movie ends. So should we talk about the Academy Awards real quick? Can we talk about the colors first? He's wearing a red jacket. She's mm. wearing a green dress. And then Plato, if you think about it, he's wearing a red sock and a green sock. So he's confused. He doesn't know whether he's coming or going. Oh, stopping good or going. stuff. Yeah, because red is And it's is very, very psychological. You know, it's kind right. of interesting how, how that works. But, but the other thing, too, about the whole movie is just kind of interesting how that mansion scene, right? That even then, this is in the 1950s, and it's decaying. Mm -hmm. It used to be this incredible house. I don't want to read too much into it, but it's so psychological. I would imagine it's like society is falling apart. You know, in other Ooh. words, they they are they are a symptom. They're not the disease. They're a symptom of the disease. Just like oh. the parents, just like the kids. You know, and just like it's this house fun. must have been great in its day. Just yeah. like the family unit must have been great in its day. But Ooh. it's all falling apart. That's, That's really interesting. Good, yeah. That was what seventy years ago or sixty years so ago. So long ago. So back to the Academy Awards. It was only nominated for three. Best Supporting Actor, Salminio. Best Supporting Actress, Natalie Wood. And Best Story? What is this? Best Story? That's Probably a Screenplay. Yeah, screenplay. Okay, yeah. Nicholas Ray, who was the director of this film also. Mm -hmm. The big winner of this year was Marty. Oh, oh yeah. That's pretty that good. Was, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Not, not the kind of movie people really watch anymore. Yeah, no. And it's weird because James Dean wasn't even nominated for this movie. And speaking of James Dean, it came out after his tragic death, actually. And so did Giant. Because James Dean was only in three movies, right? 
Right. So East of Eden came out when he was alive, and then he died in an automobile accident in 1955. Yeah, he was only 24 years old. This beautiful man was only 24 years old, and he died. And then, is that, that, Dad, you had a good fact about that. Oh, yes, about how you know when you're old, that one? No. Oh. The top billing thing. Oh, yes, that's why he got top billing. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't that well-known an actor, but the fact that he had just died and there was all this outpouring of grief. Yes. He was a hot commodity in Hollywood, so they made his name the top It was the first thing we saw. I think Natalie Wood probably would have had the the top billing because she had been a child star and she was... She was well known. Or what about the millionaire from Gilligan's Island? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. He was <laughs> I know, in this I can, movie. Yeah, the dad, the dad of uh, Jim's character, or Jim, was the yeah was Mister Mister Howell. Mister Howell from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Hard to take him seriously. Yeah, especially when he was wearing an apron. <laughs> oh my gosh, take the apron know, off, take, my man! We kept saying, take the apron off. <laughs> what was he doing? So, poor James Dean. And the other two leads of this movie also had kind of tragic endings. Natalie Wood famously died on a boat. Falling off a yacht. Yeah, it still comes up in the headlines today that whether she accidentally drowned or, or was pushed or something happened. You know, dun, so. dun, dun. And I mean, she had been famous her whole yeah, life. Yeah, so she was she a was, kid. She was four years old. She was that really cute kid in Miracle on 34th Street, right? So right, right. She, she was in West Side Story. West Side Story. The Searchers. Yeah, she was certainly somebody who was famous her whole life. So that's wild that she died. And then Salminio also, he died at 37, which is young. And he was, do you guys know how he died? I think he was murdered. He was yeah, murdered. Right? He yeah, was stabbed. Terrible. And they think uh, he was one of the first people in Hollywood to be openly gay, right? Or was right. he bisexual? And I think it was a hate crime, which is terrible. And he was so talented, so it stinks. And that was probably, what, just 15 years or so after this movie? I think so, Because he yeah. was young when this, obviously, when this movie was. Very young, yeah. And was he, was he a big star, or was it just from this movie? I don't think so. He did a good job he in did, this. He did, because he was a... I didn't like the character. So, in conclusion, do you guys have any more thoughts about this movie? The only thing that crossed my mind is, do you think they could remake that now? Or, in a sense, has every movie since then about teen yes. angst been this movie? I think the latter, because now I think everything is just about drugs and drinking and all that, but I think that's very Rebel Without a Cause. And even in this, he was like, he was a drunk. Well, when it started, he's he's taken he's, in for drinking, but yeah. you notice when he comes home and he's stressed, he's drinking milk. <laughs> so it's like, it's not like he's doing that as a rebellion. He's not an alcoholic. Yeah, he's yeah. not like, he needs the drink. It's just True. kind of, he, it's just I one more. I need the drink. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's the kind of movie that, I think everybody's heard of this movie, yeah. or at least they've heard that phrase "rebel without a cause." And they've and it seen comes the red jacket. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> and they've seen the pictures of James Dean in the red jacket. So it's definitely we probably overuse the term iconic, but this is definitely an iconic film. Yeah, even and, though I didn't like it that much, but yeah, yeah, I just didn't like it that much. I don't think it holds up that well. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think the stories and the characters ring very true. But then again, it is such a famous movie, it's probably worth seeing. Yeah, if you are a film buff, you should see this movie. And especially, I mean, watch all three of James Dean's films. They're only three. (laughs) And James Dean is unique. Just an icon. And his hair was perfect. Dad kept mentioning that. He is a really cool guy. Yeah, but mom doesn't think he's good looking. No, I think he's good looking. I just don't. I don't (laughs) idolize in the way some do. Just one final question. 
That red jacket was leather, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, so anyone who has ever wondered about James Dean or even has just um, <laughs> enjoyed the Morrissey song Suedehead and, uh, and wants to see a James Dean movie, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I would too. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Strange Love of Movies Pod. That'll be linked down below. And don't be a rebel without a cause. Bye. <laughs>